Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Hey everybody, are you all doing okay? Are you sure? Does anybody need to pray about that? How well you're doing? Are you enjoying the sunshine? Yes, give me a wave if you're enjoying the sun. And Yeah, wonderful. It really is uh, delightful weather at the moment and we just thank God for all that he's doing amongst us. Um, I'm sure Stephen and the guys uh, have told you that uh, we hope that in a few weeks' time to be in a place where we can at least start showing you around the back end of the uh, building. been a lot of work that's been going on there. It's very, very exciting. For those who have children, you're going to have a designated area for your kids, which is going to be absolutely wonderful. And um, it can also be used uh, for the community. So uh, Louise who, and, and Leslie particularly who give a real steer to what we're trying to, you know, move towards to here in the, in the, uh, in the town, uh, to reach out to people uh, of all different ages and all different backgrounds. That building can be used for that as well. I want to I tell you, we, we have a remarkable, large, remarkably large building that needs a lot of uptake, but we thank, we thank God for giving us this building. We want it to be used, don't we, to touch and serve and heal and help people. What's the point of having it if it's just open for a few hours a week? It's pointless. We want to get it opened. And so a thank you for all those who've painted and got involved in it and have swept and then swept again and then swept again because of the dust. We do appreciate it. And I know there's going to be team parties, work parties that we're going to be getting at it. Thank you so much for all that you do. And there's a greater purpose. That's what I'm casting. It's not just a building. It's, it's there to serve people. Have you got that this morning? It's there to help people. And we're very grateful to God and very grateful to God for people who have helped us as well financially with it. And that's another story that will be told in, um, in months to come. It is my joy to be able to um, just open the Bible to us today. And um, it's always fatal words, but I don't want to be long at all because I'm really the un- introductory part of it. It's going to be a six-week series that we're going to be looking at that will take us into the summer. But if I can just say a few co- opening comments. It was nine years ago that we did a series in Arena uh, in Ilkeston because at that point we didn't have the Mansfield campus. And in Ilkeston we decided that we wanted to uh, just lay a foundation in people's hearts again. It's interesting that Paul mentioned around Pentecost Sunday. And of course, that was the time when the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, as he said, was poured out. And, you know, us Pentecostals have really got hung up on tongues. And I really believe that, you know, everybody can speak in tongues. I believe it's a gift from God. But we've missed the point of it because the whole point of it was that we would be pa- we'd have power to be a witness. That was the point of it. And I remember, I think it was an old uh, schooled uh, preacher uh, once said this, if, you're, if all you have is the spirit, you'll blow up. If all you have is the word, you'll dry up. But if you have the word and the spirit, you'll grow up. And this morning, what we want to do, we've invited the person of the Holy Spirit to come amongst us and to do what only he can do in in hearts. I've heard Stephen say, your campus pastor, who I know you love dearly, has said the difference in his life was the Holy Spirit because there's no way you would have got him on a stage in a million years because of his shyness and his just introvertedness. But the power of the Holy Spirit has caused him to be able to do what he does, which is absolutely 
wonderful. You know, we want to release more of the Holy Spirit in our life. And if you're here this morning, you may say, I'd like to know more about the person of the Holy Spirit. I'd like to know more about this speaking in tongues. Come and speak to Paul or Stephen. They'll pray with you because everybody can speak in, in tongues. And I know it's the difference. When the Holy Spirit was poured out in my heart, my life changed. I became like a different person. And, um, and we want to encourage everybody to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But we also, this morning, want to get into the Word. Because as we get the Spirit and the Word, we'll grow up. This is a foundational Word over the next six weeks. So I'd encourage you, even if it's beautiful sunshine, to get here for 10.30. Let's enjoy, let's get under the Word, let's worship, let's be together. You can be out the door if you want to by 12, quarter past 12. You can be in Skegness for 2 o'clock, half past 2 if that's your bag and you want to enjoy the rest of the afternoon. Don't think that you've got to, you know, have the day there. You can enjoy the day. Let's make coming to church a priority. Can I hear a big amen? And so we want to really, you know, lay in this word into our hearts. So nine years ago, we took, uh, you know, took a series and we called it Raising the Bar. Why did we call it that? Well, we took a high jump. And you've all, probably so long ago for some of you being at school, but can you remember the PE that you had to do and you had to learn how to do the long jump and you had to learn how to sprint in good form and shot put? Anybody can remember that? Anybody had a go at that with shot put and the javelin? I was lethal with the javelin. We would say, watch out everybody as I was launching that spear. I'm telling you, it was terrific. But there was another event and it's called the high jump. And there was a sense in which we are trying to raise the bar. Jesus, in a few moments, I'll I'll, I'll draw us towards those verses. He was raising the bar. He was raising the expectation. And in every one of our hearts here in Arena, God is wanting to raise the bar in our hearts. He's wanting to lay a foundation that goes deeper in every one of our lives. Interestingly, nine years ago, we talked about raising the bar and the record stood at 2 metres and 45 centimetres. That's just over 8 foot. It still is the world record. Nobody's been able to jump further than that. Now, we're not going to ask you to jump over a bar today. Anybody give me a wave if you're happy about that. You say, jump 8 foot, I can hardly jump a few centimetres. But anyway, but what we are talking about, as I say, is just laying something into our hearts. What we're calling it this time is if you've got a notepad and pen, and I'd really encourage you to do that, is this series is entitled Doing the Hard Things. Doing the Hard Things. Now, this is so difficult, and Jesus understood this, because every single one of us has a bias towards easy things. I know there's some of you who like complex problems. And you like to be able to solve them. I know some of you like that. But I'm talking generally across our lives. Most of us, if I gave you a choice today to walk, to go which side. If I, had, if I was now in charge of your life and I'm not in your world. And I said, here on the left, here is the road towards easy things. And here on the right is the road to hard things. You choose which road you would like to go on. I wonder which which road most of us would want to travel. We'd want to travel into the easy things. 
But actually, God is calling us to the harder road. He's calling us to the narrow road. Now, let me tell you, it's not hard because it's impossible. Because I want to say, it is very possible to live on that hard road when we have the power of the Spirit over our lives. It actually becomes easy. There's a sense in which if we lean into God and trust Him and allow His presence to be in our lives, I was saying to Andy on the back desk, the most important thing is that we stay close to Jesus, we stay in love with Jesus, we stay in the Word. And I want to say as we do those things, things become an ease to our lives. Can anybody give me an amen? It's truth. It's it's the truth. But there's a sense in which God is calling us to harder things. Now, that is difficult because my generation, which is Generation X, and the millennials, we've been brought up on low cost, cheap, low commitment, an easy in and out, and a disposable culture. That it's just, if you want in, you're in. If you want out, you're out. And that's what I've been brought up on things. So, you know, for example, I really don't want to be often going down. If, if I, like, I'm, I'm there. If there's an easier place, I want to get to the easier place. If there's an easier route, I want to get to the, to the easier route. I'm, I'm, all for, I'm all for ease. I'm all for ease. And in sometimes, you can be tempted to actually try and cut corners to try and get you into the ease. I can see there's people nodding their heads because you know that that's how you can live your life. But as I say, God is calling us to something deeper. Just nudge the neighbor next to you and say, God is calling you and me to something deeper. Just just say it to the person next to you. God is calling us to something deeper. Now, I want to take your attention to Matthew in chapter 5. So if you'd like to turn with me in your Bibles, or if not, it'll come on the screen. Because in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. You know, the Bible consists of two books, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the first four books of the New Testament are written by four men, by the name of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. They were four disciples of Jesus. And we're going to read from the first writer of the gospel account by the name of Matthew. And he's talking about Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. And this is what he says. It'll come on the screen. Now Jesus, he saw the crowds. And then he went up on the mountainside and sat down. And disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Just four very simple things here. Jesus saw the crowds. He went away from them to a height so they could hear and see him. That's why he went up on the mountainside. He wasn't trying to be difficult. Then the disciples, they came to him, like this crowd here. And then he began to teach them. He wasn't like a school teacher. He was talking about things that was of interest to them. He was talking about things that they were going to need to know now or needing to know in the future. And this is what we are talking about in these six weeks because you will be tested and challenged over these next five or six weeks. 
God is wanting for you to go deeper. And Jesus wanted to teach them about the things that were so important. Now, there were many who came to him and they wanted Jesus... First of all, they saw Jesus, this rabbi, they saw him as a political agitator. They wanted him to be someone who was going to, you know, free them from the oppressive Roman rule. We have now, across the world, politics is very interesting and we are uh, non-political here. We, we choose not to talk about such things other than just general stuff. But the world seems to have gone mad politically. There's all kinds of extremes that are happening at the moment. And there's still people who are looking for a deliverer. And this is what was happening in the time of Jesus. Jesus was beginning to get a following because he was doing wonderful things. There was wonderful miracles that were taking place. He spoke like No other. They were saying, this man has got such great wisdom. We can't believe he's from Nazareth. We can't believe he's not from the political center. He's from an area that nobody's ever heard of called Nazareth. Nazareth. It's amazing. And they were amazed by his teaching. And they wanted him to become this political leader that was going to overthrow the Roman rule and take them into freedom. But let me tell you, Jesus didn't come to be political. The second thing is, there were some people who said, we want Jesus to become a religious leader. What I mean by that is, there were rules and regulations that the people of that time were oppressed by. They weren't free in these rules. They were under oppression. It's like I'm doing this, excuse me, Paul. I wonder, But they're trying to just press down. Have you ever been in a context, religious context, where you felt pressed down? Just raise your hand if that's you. You've just felt pressed down. You felt, you know, bound up. And that's what they wanted him to do. Instead of Jesus coming and bringing freedom, they wanted him to put more religious rules, more laws, more, um, you know, policing, religious policing over people's lives. Jesus understand. Jesus understood. That was not his purpose. He wasn't called to be a political agitator. Neither was he called to be a oppressive religious leader. Jesus came and he brought an altogether different message. He brought a message of God's kingdom. This is what the kingdom of God needs to be Not in heaven, but here on earth. And he brought a message that was altogether different regarding purpose. He was saying, I've not come to be a political agitator or an oppressive religious leader, but I have come as the humble saviour of the world. And they could not get their heads around this At all. Jesus brought a completely different message to them. But the challenge is this message is not an easy message. The challenge is over these next five weeks for us to do the hard things. Matthew chapter 5 
6 and 7. Note that down. I'd encourage you, you've got reading plans. I'd encourage you over these next few weeks, just read them. Read them with an open heart. Read them afresh again. Just see what Jesus had to say. It's one of the most significant messages that Jesus preached. It's a long message as well. But he preached this message to these people because he understood that they were a bias towards easy things, but actually the call was to harder things, to deeper things. I was thinking, just a digression, there was another man in the, in the Bible, he's still with me this morning, there's a man by the name of Paul, and I was reading this in my, in my, in my devotionals, and I thought, I'll use these verses, because it really was impacting. You see, Paul followed Jesus, really. He was one of the disciples of Jesus, although we never met him. And he was one of the early converts. And again, he's an interesting guy because he was a hater of all things to do with Christians. He was the first murderer of a Christian that's recorded in the scriptures. And yet he had a tremendous experience and encounter with Jesus. We often use this phrase, oh, they've had a Damascus experience, which basically means they've now seen it for what it is. That's where we got it from. Because Paul was on the road to Damascus and Jesus met with him. Paul, Paul's life was turned around even so much so he used to be called Saul and now he was given a new name and a new identity by the name of Paul. And Paul started churches just like we've done here at Mansfield, just new churches in places that people don't know about Jesus. He was talking to religious people, people who may have had a background, but they didn't know the truth. And Paul was planting these new churches and then Paul began to write letters to them because, of course, he didn't have Twitter. He didn't have Facebook. He didn't have email. He didn't have the telephone. He had to write these letters. And these letters were then formed the basis of our Bible. And one of the letters that he writes is found in Philippians in chapter 3. Again, it'll come on the screen from verse 17 to 19. And he's talking to a church at Philippi. And this is what he says. I think it's from verse, ah, we've got the wrong version. It should be the message version. I don't know whether we can get it on there. Will it be able to get on there quickly? No, I'm going to just go for it. Okay, first of all, this is what he says. Stick with me, friends. Keep track of those you see running this same course. Headed for this same goal. He's talking to the church. There are many out there taking other paths. There we go. Look at that. So there are many out there taking other paths, other roads. And then he says, choosing other goals and trying to get you to go along with them. So there's pathways. He's talking again to people who were just being diverted. And he says, listen, we need to be careful here. Let's move on. I've warned you of them many times. Sadly, I'm having to do it all over again. Nine years ago, we had a message and we're here again and we're having to remind you of these things all over again. There are pathways that people want to take you down, but there is a pathway that is right in God, that God is calling each and every one of us to. Can I hear a yes or an amen? You see, they hate Christ's cross. There's people who hate Christ's cross, but there is a pathway that God is calling you to. Here it is, easy street. 
is a dead end street. You see, the people who are saying, come this way, this is far better. I want to say, it's easy street, but it leads to a dead end. But there is, I thought there was another verse there. Yeah. Sorry, all they want is easy street. They hate Christ's cross, but easy street is a dead end street. And those who live there make their bellies, their gods, belchers, sorry for being so descriptive, are their praise. And all they can think of is their appetites. I was reading this in my devotional. I hope it's making sense because it was Paul again saying, listen, there is a pathway and it's not for the easy. It's not for the faint hearted. I know I've been on, said this to you many times, but I really am. I'm trying to just get my weight under control get my health back up so I'm not out of breath when I'm walking up lots of steps and all the rest of it. And I'm, we, we joined this gym a few months ago and I've been very, very regular. I'm not trying to be daft. I'm just literally just trying to get myself into better shape. And one of the things that Caroline noticed on the, on the, um, the treadmill where you can walk or run, I call her Tanya. I don't know what her name is, but you can press a button and it's on the screen and it's called Coach. And this American, hi, you know, hi, kind of really thin, hi, you're going to make it happen kind of phrases there. And, and I get her on my headphones, which is great. And she really just takes you through the paces, you know, as you're going through. But one of the things that she said, and I was really, uh, I was really impacted by this. She, and and it, it, I was in the gym this week and she says, you've got you've to remind yourself what you came here for. <laughs> as I'm there, I'm thinking, I would like to remind you of something. <laughs> I'm sweat pouring my, you've got you to go for it. Work hard. She, honestly, it's all this. It's real motivational kind of stuff. I thought to myself, you've got to remind yourself what you came here for. If I want to get fitter, if I want to get stronger, if I want to get healthier, I've got to walk in the hard things. Do you think I like sweat pouring down me? Do you think I like having to walk up 12 inclines? Well, I mean, I'm just powering up these because they've told me I have to watch my knees with the weight that I'm carrying. So I'm walking at the moment, I'm like this. It's hard. But easy street will lead me to a dead end. But God is calling us to the harder things. When Jesus came to earth, heaven touched earth. And these chapters that we're going to be going through give us a picture of what things can look like, Paul, when Jesus is king over our life. When Jesus becomes king over our life, he gives us a description, a narrative in 5, 6, and 7 of what things look like. How it changes our behaviors. How it changes our words. How it changes our relationships. How it changes our lives. One commentator says of Matthew 5 and 7, we're just drawing it to a close that these are essential Christianity, these three chapters. But without Jesus and his spirit, again, it's impossible to live. I don't want to encourage you to try and listen to these next five weeks and you say, I'm going to try. I'm going to go into trying. No, what we're trying to do over these next five weeks 
is trying versus training. We're trying to train you. Going back to the illustration again, it's no good trying. She's training me into the hard things. Because guess what? Once I've really got in it, those who have ever done fitness, I'm just going to get stronger. Something's going to be deep in my core. I'm going to be able to run up those stairs rather than... Anybody with me? Excuse me, I'm nearly out of breath there. And this is the bedrock call to all at Arena. It's not just a decision, but you are a disciple. And this discipleship is intentional. It's practical by process. And it has to be done in relationship to be demonstrable. I use that there because there are some people who say, I'm a Christian, but I do it in the privacy of my own home. That is impossible. Discipleship always works out with others. You can't be a disciple unless you are, you know, banished to a place as we know there have been Christians who've been put in prison in solitary confinement. But that is an extreme. We do life together. Whenever I've anybody had ever said that to me, we're going to do a little group and we're just going to be on our own. I always think, you know, that is not discipleship. Discipleship is always intentional. It's practical by process. And it's always done in relationship so it can be demonstrable. So I invite you over these weeks to come up close. Imagine yourself on that mountainside. You've heard that Jesus has got some amazing teaching for you over these next five weeks. And if you make sure that you're here at Arena Church, Leeming Street, Mansfield... At 10.30, you're going to hear some amazing teaching. And Jesus has put the word out. And it's for you now to come up on the mountainside. For you to lean in and to come and to listen to messages that will speak to you about hard things. Let me give you a little bit of a flavor. These hard things will be around Our devotion, devotionally. There'll be how we do it worshipfully. How we live integrously. How we live morally. And how we live relationally. They're all in Matthew 5, 6 and 7. Because as we do the hard things, I'll race through them very quickly. Five things. It will Number one, it should be on the screen. As we enter in and lean into the hard things, let me read them from here. It will bring liberty. If you like easy, easy things, you'll find no liberation in ease. We'll find liberation and liberty as we enter into the hard things. Secondly, it will challenge purity. Because there's a call to holiness We're called to stand out and be different. It will clarify our priority. It will help us to discern what is most important in our lives. And it's the thing that I've been banging the drum about for numbers of years. We so get distracted by so many things that are of no importance. But these will help us 
to clarify the priority. Fourth, it will deepen maturity. You'll become mature. We will become mature. We'll become stronger. Instead of taking offence and getting upset too quickly and getting offended and falling out and bottom lip out and, you know, all, there'll be a maturity that comes to our lives. Why? So we will bear fruit. Mature people bear fruit. Mature people are fruitful. And number five, it will ensure stability. Even in the storms, you will be able to stand firm. We'll touch on it. Jesus said, the wind and the rain come to all of our lives. But those who build their lives upon Jesus, they'll, 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 they'll this, but they won't this. Yes? So as we do the hard things and build our lives on Jesus, we will ensure stability even in the midst of storm. If you're in a storm today, I want to say that storm will pass, but we want to give you something that will enable you to walk through the storm with confidence, knowing that Jesus is with you. Can I hear a big amen? Jesus demonstrated the hard things to us. It would be so remiss of me, not just to, not just to, to just reference Jesus, but just for one minute to just talk about what Jesus did. Jesus left the splendor of heaven, all of glory of heaven, with his sole purpose of knowing that he was going to die the cruelest of deaths. I was impacted by what a preacher said recently, how the gospels were so kind to those who now read and listen to them, because it doesn't go into absolute description about the disfiguration of Jesus. But I want you to know that Jesus was utterly disfigured when he was hung upon the cross. There was no flesh left upon his body. The blood poured out of him. His body was broken and bruised. This is the God of all creation. This is the God over every other God that's small g. This is the one who came and humbled himself and became a servant. Gave up the splendor of heaven to come and serve us. He demonstrated the hard things. He didn't just say, Glennis, do the hard things. Liz, you do the hard things. Barry, you do the hard things. But I'm going to do the easy things. No, he led the way of showing us the way to do the hard things, the hard path, the hard things that God is calling us to. He even says in Isaiah 53 verse 5, I wonder, Andy, if you'd just join me on the keyboard for a moment. He was despised, talking about Jesus, and rejected by man. He was a man of suffering, and Jesus was familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, our sins. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. It's a simple call to all of us, to walk in the pathway that Jesus has laid out. Listen, the hard things are not the impossible things. 
The hard things are not because he's wanting to make it hard for us. But as I've said before, I don't want to repeat myself. He's wanting to draw something from us and lay something in us.